0: Welcome to the Disability Podcast, a podcast where we talk to people living with disabilities. We hear about their life, learn tips, tricks and share ideas to help each other and our listeners with new ideas to solve real world obstacles. So let's not waste any time and jump right into it. So welcome today and we are joined with Sebastian or Seb as he likes to be known. And we're going to explore the world of dyslexia with him as he uh, has dyslexia. So how are you doing today, Seb?
1: Yeah, thanks, Christian. Uh, very well. Pleased to be here. Um, appreciate I'm um, probably your first on this series from what you've told me.
0: Yes, this is probably the first episode or one of the first episodes. So yeah, this is a new podcast and a new series. So
1: welcome, Seb. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this is um, it's an interesting concept for me. And actually, it was nice to have the opportunity to think more thoroughly about myself and uh, my life. So yeah, thanks for allowing me to share.
0: Tell us about sort of your early early years and how you sort of developed into the person you are now. I'm 27,
1: uh, born and raised in London, uh, outskirts of London in Stanmore. And actually, to be fair, at this point, I'm still trying to work it out. You know, it's about five or six years since graduating as an aeronautical engineer and yeah a plethora of projects have come underway i've been fortunate to be involved in you know several different industries uh doing seven different roles um and actually on the topic of dyslexia it's probably one of the strengths in being able to see things differently. So yeah, I'm happy to elaborate a little bit more
0: about that. So you definitely consider dyslexia as a more of a strength than a weakness at this point? I think it's always context. I think with everything, it depends. Like you can
1: say being organized, for example, as a characteristic, as a strength, but in certain environments, in certain circumstances, that might be a rigidity that doesn't allow you to adapt effectively. So I think it's about context. And who defines these so-called strengths? What is the desired
0: outcome? So context and situation. So it really depends, you know, day to day and what's happening on that particular day. Exactly. So why don't we then start when your life gets after secondary school, beginning of university? I mean, that's a big time in anyone's life. How did dyslexia affect you then
1: so um back then in around secondary school i was not aware of my dyslexia um i come from my parents are working class background, former business owners and um they really instilled um an importance on education so i focused a lot of my efforts into um my academic abilities went to state school and my parents believed in investing in private tuition. So out of school, um, I would attend classes for subjects that I specifically was looking to pursue into GCSE or um, just was finding a little bit of difficulty in.
0: So you had state education mm-hmm. and then you had the private tuition for subjects that meant a lot to you or you found interesting, but also the ones that you found a little bit more of a struggle.
1: Exactly, exactly. And um, during that time, I was just generally quite an inquisitive child. So there were aspects of education back then where um, it was just memorizing, you know, A plus B equals C. Um, you, You just have to regurgitate the outcome. But being an inquisitive child, the question was always why? And I think that helped me a lot in the sense that my teachers at the time I think were almost refreshed to experience an inquisitive student and fortunately for me welcomed that so it meant I could stay after class meant I felt comfortable raising my hand so I mean that in a sense helped me in the way I perceive things differently and I'll elaborate on that I guess a little bit later would probably make sense I'll yeah something to come back to
0: so you want to know the root cause of why a plus b equals c for example Mm -hmm. does that help in future like in in the in your university slash a levels because if you know i mean from my point of view if you know why a plus b equals c then you also know why C plus D equals E. Exactly.
1: It's um it's from the first principles. So your ability to approach new challenges is not whether you are familiar with it or not, but it gives you the capability to be able to understand it contextually and then apply transferable and adaptable skills, which is very useful. Um, in two lights, it takes a lot more effort to educate someone that way. It takes a lot more time. So therefore it's arguably something that's very difficult to manage especially in those sort of years i mean the the complexity of the subjects aren't that high but the breadth of the number of subjects you do in high school can make that challenging sometimes which is why those tuition only selected subjects if i was to do additional time on every subject that i studied in school
0: there wouldn't be enough time Yeah, exactly probably not enough hours in the day to be frank seeing that from this point that you know that now you know you have dyslexia and back then because you didn't know you have dyslexia do you think that dyslexia helped you in those periods of tuition or opened your eyes to different angles whilst exploring this creativity
1: yeah so i think um it it probably makes sense now then to explain a little bit more about my journey in education and where dyslexia kind of sits into that Um, At the end of the day, it's a learning difference. So it's not something you develop, per se, it's something that you are born with and the way you perceive the world is just um, innately different. So I was not actually diagnosed with dyslexia until university um, in the second year when I realized whilst not having the additional time to explore concepts so thoroughly and also just the increase in terms of amount of like academic text I had to get through, to explore certain ideas, I felt I was starting to lag a little bit behind. And at that point, um, it was raised to me that, yes, maybe I should get screened. Um, and for a very thorough process of, I believe it was three to four hours. Um, they did, um, actually identify, um, dyslexia, uh, it was something that I had. And for me, the interesting thing is, is that it was initially quite an impactful thing you know Um, what I viewed at the time was a disability maybe induced a little bit of self-loathing to an extent but also some relief in terms of some understanding as to why I was finding certain things challenging but in the same light it didn't change my nature so for me having been for education all those years meant that I wasn't aware that I saw the world differently. I wasn't aware that I came to the same answers differently. The nature of school is that you sit in a room with the same exam paper and the same textbook as everyone else. You're expected to produce the same answers. So the fact that you've come to that differently or that you perceive those things differently, those cha- same challenges, didn't really arise. Um, so that to
0: take all of that into mind was quite an interesting one. I mean, it's an interesting sort of viewpoint from you, I can imagine, but what I'm sort of seeing right now is, so during your high school and probably early college, you had your tuition and you had your, you know, normal school, but then I suspect that for the beginning of the university, when you didn't have that diagnosis, you went from the private tuition and the school time, so, you know, working quite a lot, studying quite a lot to then just studying with no extra help on the side because it's university it's a completely different ball game
1: exactly um and that's why i wanted to point back to the fortune of having all the tuition and all the teachers because although i'm fortunate that my dyslexia doesn't it wasn't something that held me back up to the point of university because my say the way it works is that you have different aspects of your cognitive abilities and with a dyslexic some would be a lot stronger and some would be a lot weaker so for example i think there's a whole spectrum of traits but two of my strengths are verbal and nonverbal reasoning which is kind of the manipulation and uh problem solving within words and symbols and like yeah from then what is the weakest is say my short-term memory is not as strong or let's say is average so weaker traits fortunately were hovering around the average line in terms of my capabilities against the general population but those were holding back aspects of my strength which were say um in the higher percentiles
0: from that point of view you were performing really well in certain aspects or certain subjects or certain even topics within subjects. And then other topics was a drastic, you know, difference before this diagnosis, obviously you had no reason why. And the private tuition obviously, you know, helped even that out, I presume. So my question really is how did you sort of even the line out? Because did you work more on the stuff that you now, the, areas that you found that you were sort of average at and take away from the time that you spent on the stuff that you you know you knew you were better at for example or was Mm. it you just i mean this is i mean this would probably be a few weeks after you got your diagnosis so i'm not sure how you how did you sort of navigate that situation
1: so again it's like it's always it's a recognition of just the difference But fundamentally, the way I'd approach things hadn't really changed. I hadn't been coached to think differently. The ultimate feedback was just coming back to it. It was that you've already developed your own coping mechanisms. You've already developed your own ways up to this point, because you've managed to produce the same results. Just knowing, um, say your strengths and your challenges, and then slowly training in alternate ways or tools that can support you in that way was I think in hindsight or in longer term thinking, the useful aspect. But having the tuition allowed me to, again, like you said, the the benefits of being able to think from first principles. So what that meant was that rather than relying on just pure memory for answers and familiarity, I was able to come to a question and then derive um, logic Uh, to then come to that answer so I was not required then to hold um, just loads of facts which was again that that was shown as not my strength although it was still at a functional capacity
0: I mean you told us before that you did you studied engineering at university I mean that is a heavy heavy university subject so there's a lot of studying there most people with dyslexia are given extra time and things for exams for exam situations does that help?
1: Yeah. So funnily enough, um, a lot of dyslexics actually end up being engineers. Um, and I think, you know, for me, like you said, certain subjects where I showed strengths and weaknesses, English was definitely something that I struggled with more than say math. Um, and again, this is not say for all dyslexics, but just in my unique, uh, thinking distinction, if you think about, it, I guess, uh, comprehension is reading a piece of text. Uh, in GCSE level, and you either remember it or you don't. You either know it or you don't. Whereas in math, you could kind of learn and practice core principles and then apply it again to an arbitrary test or situation that you'd not come across before. So for me, that worked really well and really helped me kind of lean on my
0: strengths. This sounds like you've developed sort of your creativity from back when you were doing your GCSEs. When you were saying a why does a plus b equal c that helped you all the way through at university even though you didn't realize it that creativity which meant that you know asking why in these search situations made university easier mm. in some sense
1: yeah so um what i found was i only saw dyslexia after being the nose diagnosed in like the the negative light Um, But it was actually an organization called Made by Dyslexia that helped me connect with all the um, potentially very leverageable and actually in-demand skills of today's world that Dyslexia brings. So like you said, the creativity aspect of it, dyslexics um, tend to be more creative. Uh, We are better critical thinkers. And um, we tend to show more emotional intelligence and surprisingly despite the written and reading uh, challenges that a lot of dyslexias face including myself uh, we actually are very strong communicators Um, and that's also a disparity that helps signal uh, maybe someone who is dyslexic someone who is very strong in the verbal communication, but maybe then showing like a mismatch with the written communication.
0: So basically you can summarize it as being very good at some stuff, but not very good at other stuff. Whilst there's no sort of obvious reason as to why. For example, if you have a physical disability, I mean, yes, they can be very good academically, but obviously they're not going to be very, they're not going to be as good playing sports in the general sense. Normally someone who's academic can do both, you know, maths and English to an equivalent level, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing with um, kind of cognitive differences is, is different and it's difficult because um, you, don't, you don't see the physical difference. The output from an academic standpoint was the same for me. What was not clear was, say, the additional strain I had in producing the same output for English, or to comprehend certain information in text. And also, because the system bases you on being able to achieve a certain standard, fortunately for me, a lot of my so-called weaker traits were still average. So therefore they did not flag an issue. Um, But until it was analyzed further, it was that these average traits were holding back the capacities of my strengths
0: the direct problem with you then is the average traits were holding back your better traits they could have been better if you had found it before or you know you were diagnosed before or if you had but if you're neurotypical then your current strength would be even stronger
1: potentially i don't really understand how it works i don't know again if like maybe these developed as strengths in order to cope with um the other traits that were or compensate for the other traits that weren't as strong but ultimately yeah Yeah. it's just knowing i think different
0: yeah i mean i don't think anyone will know i mean especially you never actually know how it affects you to the point because you know you can you can only say from personal experiences obviously and how you see how you've seen the world and how you acted in the world so i mean coming off on that you said that uh, sort of communicating was a strength of your dyslexia so my mm. question is because university is yes it's an academic place but it's also a very sociable place mm. was it easier to make friends and did and then on top of that did those friends then help you progressed in sort of the academic places mm. which you would have might or might have faltered. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think uh, funnily enough, a few of my friends as well, I guess, also got diagnosed with dyslexia or had discovered actually had dyslexia as well. At the time it wasn't a topic that was very openly discussed or raised. Um and I think in the nature of just um the way our university systems work at the moment as well Um, The way you express your understanding and are assessed is very written. Um, And so, therefore, that in its nature, knowing my communication skills are much weaker written in written form than it is in verbal form, uh, doesn't fully represent my capabilities or my understanding of the subject. And then I felt a bit disheartened because it was like my full capabilities and capacity weren't being realized. Exactly. And on this piece of paper that I was supposed to get out of education that was going to display what my capabilities and capacities were to a potential employer or opportunities in the future was not actually representative of what I was actually capable of. And also in the nature of just the teaching methods as well. You know, I think I'm much better in a practical setting. One that is a kind of a more engaged and open dialogue where curiosity can lead Uh, lead the lecture or lead the learning experience rather than say a structured monologue um the typical lecture tends to take
0: so i mean you said that most some of your friends also have dyslexia but you also said that wasn't really a talked about subject assume that none of you actually knew each other had dyslexia especially at the beginning when you first met did sort of you support each other just in in general then without obviously knowing each other had dyslexia for example
1: yeah absolutely um I think generally anyway again I only know my experience and to know I think differently helps but fundamentally it's still the only experience I can really compare to and um always I think in life it's important to if not be able to communicate effectively how different you are to have people who understand how you work best and people that you can work well with and um, definitely having people who uh, could empathize could understand where we're coming from and also think in a way that worked uh, for us uh, and for myself helped a lot so one thing about dyslexics is is that Uh, Say we're not great at memorizing certain things, but we're great at exploring ideas. And the way we ingrain new knowledge is for exploring it holistically. So having a group of other people who think in a similar way means that we can take to a subject, explore it in many angles, um, be creative in our thinking, in our discussions about it, and then come to a more holistic understanding of, of, you know, what we're trying to actually grasp. The challenge is, is that to grasp one fact can take a long time yeah and because it's not only the fact but i think it's the it's breaking that fact down to its core principles but in the uk engineering as well is actually a three-year course where in other countries it's a five-year course so you can imagine how condensed the content is so there's a constant battle of do we understand and continue to work to our strengths and learning the core principles at the risk of falling behind the syllabus And where do we simplify was kind of like the main challenge.
0: So it was sort of prioritizing which places to basically focus on, especially for you, which areas do you focus on in the syllabus to make the most, you know, impact on yourself?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, it becomes um, a change of tactics. So rather than a place where you are keen and excited to learn about a subject you want, it becomes a very strategic play as to, okay, how do you utilize your time And your capacities uh, in all fronts, actually, because it's um, really a challenging environment, university, uh, to then at the end of the day, get the highest grade possible. So if the goal is to get the highest grade possible, um, to then allow you into the best opportunities possible, you have to work backwards in that end goal. And it becomes a very strategic play as opposed to an opportunity to really grasp new concepts and embed yourself into yeah um, certain subject let's say um, but then actually thinking back university might not be so much as to actually learning anything um, and being expected to retain it into the working world it's more so about your ability to communicate within a specific domain and having exposure to as much aspects of that professional domain as possible not so that you can recall it in a factual sense but at least you know that there is something that you can go back to refer to, to help you resolve a challenge that you face or meet a certain objective in the real world.
0: Okay. So before we talk about, you know, life after university and the so-called real world, if a listener of ours had a, was about to do engineering or was about to go to university, Mm -hmm. knew they were dyslexic or, you know, had some feelings, you know, something wasn't completely right or the you they just had worries for example mm-hmm. do you have any tips and tricks that you would tell you would give them advice as to you know especially heading into that
1: first year and how to approach it absolutely so um, there should be a lot of student support unions available student support uh, centers within universities so definitely get in touch with them and again it's a whole spectrum so dyslexia Uh, For me, I've highlighted certain differences in my cognitive areas. The distribution and the difference might be uniquely different to someone else. So um, it is literally on an individual basis. Um, but But it's important to know, at least within the UK, there's a very strong emphasis on provisions of support on an individual level to help you get through. Um, arguably it's starting to develop more now where they can cater for very specific requirements whereas in the past was very much um, like you said generic things like extra time
0: yeah extra time is definitely a big one. i remember a lot of people getting extra time yeah but i remember the amount of people that actually used extra time and that were given extra time there was a stark contrast between you know being given it and being used it i'm not sure that if you're just given it that that stress of time management was lifted so they end up not having to use it because time was no longer on their mind so they just work at their own pace
1: yeah i'm I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on extra time it's purely because extra time doesn't i think doesn't come to anything conducive into developing an individual for the real world so to know that they think differently first and foremost. And then to give them extra time doesn't actually resolve it. Because in the real world, what this what we're saying with a learning difference or cognitive difference is that your strengths are different, but your capabilities are the same, if not better in some domains. And so therefore, extra time does not really reflect the sort of challenge that you'd come across in the real world. Your, your employee would still want you to... Get the targets, John. Exactly. Create the same values, meet the same goals and the same tender. Like it's just being able to come to that in a way that's unique to you that can leverage your strengths against say a common or more practiced way of doing things.
0: With my experience with extra time, I mean, looking back from me, cause I always, I mean, I got, I had 25% extra time when I was a secondary school and when I went through university, mm-hmm. I think for me, the main purpose was, oh, I have 25% extra time. Now I do not have to keep looking at the clock. I do not have to worry about time. Mm. More often than not, I would complete the exam within the time limit just because the stress of time management wasn't there. So in that sense, it's good. Yes. And so, I mean, that carries forward. In the real world, you just have to, I mean, it's all, yes, you have to time manage. But if you time manage correctly, which I think is easier, I mean, if you f- focus on it, it's not. it's not the hardest thing to do to time manage, especially you know, you're nine to five because you're doing it every day. So time manage that, I think, with the experience that you get from university, if you have that extra time, it's all just practicing time management at the end of the day, isn't it? So whether it's because you get more time or you have less time, you're still managing your time and managing your, you know, your resources, basically. It's all about management of resources, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. So therefore, life, I think the... um the extra time isn't so conducive as to say, a personal assessment to say, okay, you're dyslexic, uh, what will assist you is maybe um, to express yourself through dictation or through a verbal assessment or through say, rather than reading through um, pages of questions in an exam to have the capabilities of using text-to-speech. See, so rather than giving extra time, you give adaptive tools Which arguably should be available in the working world. So rather than getting people used to being, say, less productive as time being a factor on the delivery of a project in the real world, so then start implementing individual adaptions that allow you to meet the same deadline and then emphasize specific strengths within that as well. But I guess using those tools, it becomes very difficult, right? As to how can you fairly assess? Because then others. Could also argue about their unique differences and leverage of the same tools outside in the real world as well
0: yeah it's I, th- I mean it's i think it's hard to measure the difference that it makes i think it depends person to person and also to the degree of you know dyslexia and what, also other conditions that someone might have i think it all it all just comes down to the management of stress extra time I mean because if you have extra time you're not thinking about time which means you're less stressful well that's how I that's how I pictured it at secondary school and I guess the question then is like where did the stress stem from the stress stemmed from I think because you, you want to complete the paper because I mean what I remember is the teachers always tell you make sure you answer every question because even if you don't get that question right you might get some of the working marks mm-hmm. so you always had that you basically you had drilled into you answer every question
1: i mean the time constraint is i guess the common factor however does that time constraint come from say for example a cognitive difference that means that you're slower to express yourself in a written form like and that gives you stress or is there say like a physical difference that means that you physically output the same knowledge but in that format um, a lot slower you know so like the stress normally is a concern for something that differentiates you or something that you fear or you focus on
0: i mean i think that's a whole topic for another podcast honestly i mean we could we could talk about stress for well everything related to stress for hours and hours i presume there's a lot to do about stress so the stress is a common thing
1: but i think the interesting thing is like how it uniquely differentiates for people so like say yeah say for me is my dyslexia but then say someone who is visually impaired the, the, the constraint is still the same the stress is still the same but the fundamental challenge is different and i think mm. that for me is also how i see dyslexia and how i interact with the real world which is why it's an important factor for me
0: that does make sense yeah we gonna have to finish this podcast episode in a minute but uh one final question a bit more of a light-hearted question is um, what are you looking forward to in the future? Mm. You know what? I'm, I'm still
1: intrigued, excited and enthused by the variety life has to offer. Whether it's directly due to my dyslexia, I think my inquisitiveness means I've been in like a varied range of projects and industries But I think because of my dyslexia and ability to think from first principles and to think of concepts more holistically, I'm able to embed myself into these situations, uh, be very adaptable, and then actually start to become very productive uh, very quickly. So I guess down the line, it's finding a way to align this into a more set way where I can develop a depth of skill. So at the moment, I feel I've got a lot of breadth, you know, in the sense of you know, had a range of roles, worked with a range of people in a range of different environments in different countries. But um, that allows me to have a very holistic view. But I think there's a specialty within that and I'm still not sure what that is yet. So in both hands, talking about anxiety, it, you know, and stress, it, it gives me kind of that because there's no stability and clear objective kind of like yes this is what i am the best at right yeah but it is also exciting and it's kind of it goes back to that old saying jack of all traits master of none but better than a master of one and where we place that balance between a jack of all traits and being a master and specializing and over specializing is kind of the big question mark of today's world with the leverage of technology, with the access to information, is like where do we allocate our capacities and...
0: Where to focus. Yeah. Where to focus your energy and your direction, really.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Okay. No, that's a that's good answer. Yeah. And
1: I think that's given us a good platform as dyslexics because dyslexics in our nature, we see the world differently. And I think it's the innovation... The holistic thinking and
0: the creativity
1: exactly that is kind of what seems to be coming more into demand now.
0: Well, we might uh, catch up again later in a couple of months or years and see how you're doing in the future with your, or well, developing your depth of knowledge and how dyslexia is treating you at a later date. But I think we've run out of time for today, so thank you very much for being on this episode of the podcast. Thanks a lot, Christian. I appreciate it. That was Sebastian Tay talking all about his dyslexia, how he discovered it, how he overcame the difficulties and how he uses it as a tool to succeed with. If you want to know more, we will link his information in the show notes. But unfortunately, that's all for now. But we're already looking forward to the next episode. See you there.